Sarah from Portal to the Paranormal and you're watching Thriller Podcast live. Now this evening we have a very special guest. I'm so excited about this guy. I'm going to give you a little titillation, should I say. Um, he's an author of best-selling Amazon books, A Walk in the Shadows, uh, Ghosts of Maryland, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle. Uh, he's opened, oh, he's appeared in many television show history channel american well sorry history challenge channel ancient alien triangle and discovery plus fight club host to the edge of the rabbit hole uh, it's a live stream and also the connecting of the universe interactive classes there's so much so much to know about this fella without further Further ado, let's introduce Mr. Mike Rich. Mr. I'm so excited, Mr. Right, Mike Rixica. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having Hi, me. Hi, Mike. <laughs> uh, I'm glad you could adjust your time that we could get oh, this in this evening. I'm just so excited. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> oh. So. Uh, is, I think there's a little, little bit of a, a relapse, so here? what I'll do is I'll just yeah. Okay. Right, we're going to go with this. Okay, well, it'll it'll be fine. It'll work. <laughs> it'll work. So, Mike, um, I am absolutely buzzing about this. I mean, you're, it's like walking into a cake shop, a paranormal cake shop, and you have got so much going on, absolutely so much. And I'm asking the questions, I'm thinking, do I start with uh, how did you get to this? And, you know, I could ask them questions, but then I could go for the biggest slice of paranormal pie. Shall I go for it? Whatever you'd like to ask, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, Egypt. Uh, some people might suggest that the Egyptian pyramids are. Uh, they seem to find in the technology and it, it, it's just it seems like they're before their times do you believe do you think that there is some sort of alien intelligence involved in that well you know it's it's hard to say whether or not it's alien but there's something that's um that was highly more advanced than what they've been credited for so uh, you go inside the the great pyramid and into the queen's chamber and there is this niche that's back there. i know everybody likes to talk about the king's chamber and the 
in the coffer that's up there. But to, to me, it's the, it's the Queen's Chamber that's, that has the most evidence because um, there is a niche that's within there in which traditional archaeology has told us that, uh, well, you know, there may have been some sort of idol or statue there. You know, because they they keep saying that it was a, a tomb, even though no bodies were ever found there. And you look back in that niche and you see on the stone on the back wall of it, this vitrification, this melting of the stone and then these black scorch marks right there. So something was so hot within that niche, it actually burned and melted the stone back there, which would be indicative of some sort of machinery or technology that you know, they, they're not getting credit for. So it was certainly some sort of machine, whether that was alien in nature or just a uh, higher advanced civilization, say, you know, maybe Atlantis or something like that. You know, the jury's still kind of out on that. We need more evidence to, to try to support either one. But you, know, you talk to the Egyptian people and you look back into the records and, you know, they talk about that, you know, the, you know, the pyramids were, were found, you know, they came across them and that there was another civilization there that was before them and they just repurposed them. And you see that in a lot of other civilizations throughout the world, like the, the Incan civilization in uh, South America, where, you know, they, you know, their own people are saying, you know, we built on top of pre-existing structures, but the archaeologists say, no, 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 we know better than you. Somehow, some way, somehow they they're supposed to know better than the people that have been there for thousands of years, you know, which is which is really silly. So you can imagine it was rich in gold and things like that. But for the peasants there, it would be a struggle every day just to get food and things like that. So to build something like that in 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 that era, it is pretty it's questionable, isn't it? Well, I mean, with Egypt, everything was centered around the Nile River. So, you know, when it came to uh, like growing crops and, and things like that, uh, everything was really, really centered on the Nile. This uh, in June, it would flood the inundation season and it would bring down this rich black soil. And the, the name for, for Egypt was actually Kemet back in the day. Egypt is actually a, uh, is a Greek word, uh, but they called it Kemet, which means, you know, the black land because of this rich black soil. And there's a, a lot of ideas about, you know, whether or not the, the pyramids were power plants and things like this. You know, I think at least, if not a power plant, some sort of machine that was harnessing energy, uh, you know, because they are they were placed right on these energy nodes, the, the earth from the earth's energy grid and harnessing that and basically spreading that energy throughout the land that not only would, you know, lift up the, the spirit of, you know, the people themselves, but also would help to enrich the soil so they could better grow crops and, and things like this. It's talking about the energy, um, energy grids. Do you feel like that the pyramids are built on energy grids like Stonehenge? They say that about mm -hmm. Easter Island, all these amazing fascinations of the world. They say that they pinpoint and harbor the, the, the energy there. Do you, do you feel that there's something about these, these, these amazing things around the world? Is a connection? 
Yeah, absolutely. They're they're definitely connected. You have um, you know what what we call ley lines, and those are really just like the the geographic lining up of all these you know different sites of power around the world. But the reason why they are lining up is because of the energy that is within the ground that the ancients knew to tap into. You know whether that was uh, you know for you know healing purposes or you know you know some people speculate they were actually harnessing electricity. And, um, you know, you, you have scientists, you know, Nikola Tesla and people like this that, you know, were doing those things themselves, uh, could be entering into altered states of consciousness or even as far as like opening portals and stargates and wormholes and things like this. Those are, those are possibilities that are also on the table. But yeah, you have these, these certain areas of the world that are much more energetic in nature that they were tapping into. There's all sorts of stories about uh, Egypt as well, isn't there? I live not far from Highclere Castle. You might be mm-hmm. familiar with Downton Abbey. I've been there before. Uh, okay. Lord Carnarvon, he he excavated the Tutankhamun, didn't he? Uh, my ad, it was mold. It was not. <laughs> it was not cursed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get asked that one a lot there. about the curses. Yeah. And it, and I agree, um, you know, between the, the mold and other things that would have been trapped within that tomb for so long and they're walking right into it after you know, yeah. thousands of years that, yeah, they would have inhaled that and, and gotten sick. I like the, the idea of it, though, the curse. It, well, it yeah, and, right. But, but people have been going in and out of that tomb now for a hundred years, and it's really just the original uh, set of people that were in there that got sick and you know tourists have been going in and out of there for a long long time now and they're fine and also the other story what is it the, the, excuse my pronunciation the arc of Con- convect is it called it's uh, like the indiana jones with the wings it was mm-hmm. a great big kind of ornamental thing uh yeah excuse the layman terms i know you probably used like 10 percent of your brain i've used about six of mine i think i lost most of it in the 90s but i mean these <laughs> kind of stories really really do interest me and the fact that that people went bold and stuff and they're like oh my gosh it's like a telephone to god it's it, it, there's something mystical about it and then the the idea well there there is speculation that it was like radiation in it wasn't there there's that yeah with the uh with the ark of the covenant I mean, there's a there's a lot of different theories as to you know what exactly it it was and so when you know the hebrews would have left the area okay they brought an ark with them uh when you look at ancient egypt and actually you can go to the temple of edfu right now and see an ark not the ark of the covenant but an ark because the the Hebrews got this idea from the Egyptians. They, the Egyptians used arcs within their, within their temples. Their temples had the Holy of Holies, which you see uh, also within the, uh, the, the Hebrew temples, the Holy of Holies. They got these ideas from uh, the Egyptians because they lived with them for uh, many, many years. So a lot of those ideas, you know, crossed each other and they learned different things from each other. So, Right. The, the Hebrews made off with, with an ark. Uh, the Egyptians had many of them. 
there are uh, some that are uh, believed to still be around that are that actually still have that power embedded in it, whether that was some form of uh, radiation. Some people believe it was some sort of like nuclear fusion going on in there. We really don't know. The, the one that's there at Edfu doesn't have that energy anymore. Whatever powered it, you know, does not exist. But you can go there and you can take a look and see exactly uh, what these things were. Uh, you can't go touch it though. They actually have that. <laughs> they have that one uh, barricaded off. But you can get a you can get a glimpse of it. And so yeah, they they would have been uh, they would have been carried. Uh, they they definitely had uh, a capacity to contain something within there. But uh, it's still a still a mystery as to what exactly that was. Although there's a lot of speculation as to what they did. So what do you think the speculation is? Because when I was watching one of your videos, they were thinking, oh, it, it's before their times. How would they know to make it radioactive? How would they have the mentality to make it radioactive? Is there some sort of alien influence in that? <laughs> well, you know, again, it's a lot of that uh, that lost technology that, you know, they they the ancients knew how to do many of these things that today we still can't do like how did how they build some of these massive structures that either today we're just getting the technology or some technology you know we we just still don't have uh you look at like the trilithon at, at Baalbek, and we don't have a crane today that could lift those blocks but there it is somehow they did it so uh some of this knowledge was lost to time you know what did what did those ancients know um, yeah, and we can see in just the the machining aspect. Now, you know, mainstream archaeologists will say that well, they use stone tools, copper tools, things like this to create uh, some of these beautiful pieces of art. And you're looking at it, you're like, this is granite. You know, there's no way they're using stone or copper to be able to carve granite. It's one of the hardest rocks on the planet. Uh, but you go to the uh, Egyptian Museum in Cairo. And there's a sarcophagus, or sarcophagus that's there that you can see that they were cutting the, uh, the lid off of the bottom of the sarcophagus. And they stopped mid-cut. And it's kind of tucked away off on the one side. And you take a look at that and you look down this, this seam and you can see within there, just shine a little flashlight in there or the... Um, uh, the flashlight in your camera or something, and you can see where there are basically two saws, one on top of another, that were cutting through this. Now, for one, they were not supposed to have type these types of saws back then, but two, you have to ask yourself, what type of saw would cut through this? So, my my father's a machinist. He's he's that's what he did for you know forty some odd years of his life, and so I'm taking these photos back to my dad, and I'm like, Dad, what type? of saw would cut this. And I'm like, you, you can tell the saw. Like, oh yeah, you can definitely see, you know, where the blades were and everything. Like what type of saw? He's like, that would be a diamond tip saw. Now, again, this is technology that they were not supposed to have had back then. So somewhere along the way, civilization rose and developed a, a very sophisticated type of technology. Now they may not have had computers and cell phones and things like this, but they were able to grow enough to be able to, you know, create some some of these devices, some of these machines uh, that today we would consider very, very sophisticated and having high technology and 
something happened. And that's where we start talking about, you know, the, the global cataclysm that annihilated most of civilization. And we see in almost every culture in the world, the discussion of the flood, you know, the great flood that wiped out all these people. And there are a handful of survivors. And I know you keep going down the alien route. Um, there were these other people that came in to help and rebuild that civilization. So were those the were those the aliens? Were those the extraterrestrials? Were they maybe ultra terrestrials or some sort of interdimensional beings? We don't know. Um, but but again, we we like to speculate of you know what these these beings may may be, and there are clues to try to help us along the way. But we still haven't quite figured out that exact puzzle yet. What's your favorite Egyptian story? Then what really floats your Moses boat basket? No, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's a tough question. Um, you know, I've lately I've really been into uh, you know the the creation stories in in Atlantis and tying making those connections between uh, Egypt and Atlantis. As that's you know really really fascinating to see those uh, those different connections over time. Uh, you know, we we get the original story of Atlantis from Egypt. Uh, you know, Plato, whose writings are from which we get those stories in his uh, Timaeus and Critias, uh, which are both incomplete manuscripts. We don't have the full story. Either they were lost, those pieces were lost to time, or he just didn't finish writing it. We don't know. Uh, but those stories are handed down to him from his great uncle Solon. There's about 150 years between the two. Solon had gotten the stories from Egypt. He had traveled to Egypt. He himself was also a, uh, a Greek philosopher, and he had visited the temple of Saïs. And it was the priests there, one in particular named Sanchis, who showed him the, the history of Egypt. And this is where he got the Atlantis story from. And there are some pieces of that. The, the temple of Saïs is gone. It's totally obliterated. Uh, but there are some remnants of that story that we can still see on the uh, on the temple of Edfu. I know I just mentioned that uh, you know they have the the arcs there at Edfu, uh, but uh, you also have on the walls there. They were um, the the ancient Egyptians knew that. Um, well, there was at different points in time destructions of written documents, the the papyrus scrolls and things like this. Um, you know, were destroyed. Of course, you know, there's the destruction of Alexandria, but also along the way as different regimes came into place and of course ended up dying off, um, a, a lot of that material was destroyed. There even became a point in time in which writing Egyptian hieroglyphs was outlawed because it was deemed heretical. So, uh, so you had these ancients that were at least trying to get pieces of their heritage put, you know, put into stone. And so that's what Edfu became is this massive, uh, you know, piece of history. But it, again, it was only pieces of it. So we don't have the full story there, unfortunately. But this is where we get that story of Atlantis is from there. Wow. It's weird how it's all connected, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, mm. it, no, it, it's definitely fascinating. And you can see tie-ins from uh, Saïs to Edfu to um, to other pyramids like the um, you know one of the primary uh, netters or gods or goddesses 
of uh, Egypt, Neith, who was the creation goddess. Uh, she was a tutelary goddess of the temple of Sais. Now, Neith is depicted, of course, in Edfu as, uh, you know, as a creation goddess there within those texts. Now, we see within, uh, it's in a smaller room off to the side in the temple of Edfu, uh, there's a depiction there of the levitation of the temple. But we also see this at the temple of Esna. Now, Esna is a, a much, much smaller temple, but again, one of the primary uh, goddesses there of the temple of Esna was Neith. So you keep seeing all these different connections in the fact that the uh, Egyptians of that time were trying to retain a part of that history. And you have to go to all these different temples to kind of piece together the story. It's like they were leaving a code behind for us to, to follow. It's amazing. Right. I'm going to go down the alien route now. Uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, I know that you're a part of the U.S. Air Force, and I don't want you to get bounty headhunted for disclosing information. No. So I'm going to see you there for a second. In your oh, yeah, they missed the whole thing. You, you... lost you completely. Oh, there okay, for a I did. So <laughs> I don't want you to get bounty headhunted because I know that you was in the like Air Force, U.S. Mm -hmm. Air Force. So. I know you've got to be careful about disclosing information, but did you ever see anything like a bit odd light shows? So, yeah, as far as um, the UFOs, I mean, that's something that that was talked about. You know, there are rumors and stories. I was at uh, three years in Elmendorf Air Force Base and then uh, three years in Maryland at Fort Meade with NSA. Um, so there were people that I never personally saw anything like that while I was in the Air Force. There were people that talked about that sort of thing or would ask me, hey, did you hear about, you know, so-and-so saw this in the air? But I didn't see that myself. Um, what I did see while I was in the Air Force, uh, for one, a number of things that I can't talk about in regards to NSA. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, in the Alaska Command Building, where I spent two of those three years, uh, I was in a secure communications facility in the basement of that building. And it was down there that many of us saw these different shadow beings and shadow entities moving about, primarily in the back office area. Uh, at the time, uh, people tried to say that, well, you know, it, the building was once a hospital and where we were set up with our servers was once the morgue and all this sort of thing. But when I was doing the research for my book, Alaska's Mysterious Triangle, of course, I wanted to talk about these, these shadow entities that we saw there. So I'm doing the research on the building and you come to find out, well, no, it was never once a hospital. The building was always just used for command. That's what it was built for. So, of course, that you know begs the question then. What were these shadows we kept seeing down there, if not the you know souls of of people who had you know perished, and um, so I tend to I tend to think and believe that these may have been some sort of time slips uh, that we may have been seeing or witnessing either personnel from the past or even the future, even could be even possibly be ourselves because uh, there was enough. With all the technology that was down there, and it's in you know it's emanating a certain uh, 
you know, wavelength and frequency, actually several. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, so that could be generating a type of field in which we can see some of this phenomena. Is that like a vortex? Yeah, I mean, it could be, it could be vortex energy. Um, yeah. You know, creating a situation in which these things would then be possible. Yeah. So is the Alaska, I'm, I'm so excited, I've got so much I want to ask you. The Alaska Triangle, is that similar to like the Bermuda Triangle? And what are your thoughts on that? What do you think it could be? Yeah, well, we talk about triangle areas of the world, and there are many of them. So Alaska Triangle, Bermuda, of course, is the most famous. Uh, there's the Dragon Triangle out by Japan, which is probably the oldest as far as like recorded history that we have for it. Um, and, and several others you know, around the world. Um, so basically what's going on here is it's a, you know, a hot pot, a hot spot of, of energy. And with Alaska, there's a lot of these different types of energies that are, that are coming together here. So the one, the primary one is the magnetic energy from the earth. Um, the, uh, U.S. Department of the Interior did surveys there during the 1960s that found what they called five distinct magnetic characters uh, within, it was 100,000 square miles uh, of Alaska. Alaska is over 600,000 square miles. So this was just one-sixth of that. Five magnetic characters, some of which they described as negative anomalies. So this was, you know, already measurable. But what's happening here is, you know, the Earth has a molten iron core. And as that spins, it creates a magnetic field. And this is what, of course, protects our planet from the solar wind and the sun and all that stuff. Um, but as that magnetism passes through the Earth and interacts with different metals and minerals, water and in some different locations, uh, it creates a variety of different fields depending on what it's passing through. So whatever is in the ground under these triangle areas is helping to generate these different fields. Now with Alaska, okay, so you have the, the crazy magnetism that's going on up there. You also have a lot of seismic activity. There's a lot of earthquakes in Alaska. In fact, the, the largest earthquake ever recorded in North America happened just right outside of Anchorage in 1964. You also have a lot of volcanic activity. Uh, in fact, when I uh, was first stationed there within Alaska and stepped off the airplane, it was not only snowing, there was also ash mixed in with the snow because there had just recently been a, a volcanic eruption there. And then, like I was talking about with the solar flares, at our poles of the, uh, of the planet, the uh, Earth's magnetic protection is a little bit thinner. And so as the you know solar flares are... Uh, hammering against the uh, the pole areas. That's why we have like the aurora borealis and things like that. That's why we're seeing these things. And so it's this fantastic cocktail of energy up there in Alaska that creates all kinds of crazy phenomena. And lots of people have gone missing, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Since 1988, 16,000 people. And I mean, that's a number that I've been Shit. rattling off here for a couple of years now. So, you know, the number is higher than that now. Um, you know, that's the Alaska has the population of about the, uh, the the same as the city of San Francisco. So if you're to talk about like 16,000 people going missing in the city of San Francisco, that's a lot. And, and that's oh, boats. oh, yeah, you have all, you have missing planes, missing boats. Um, you know, we had in the in 1972 uh, was our 
uh, our House Majority Leader, uh, you know, very powerful politician and a uh, Alaskan congressman uh, go missing up there. And uh, to this, and it was the largest search and rescue mission ever put forth at that time in United States history. Nothing was ever found. They were utilizing spy planes and all kinds of stuff to try to find them. Nothing was ever found. So, um, so you have a lot of things like that that happen up there too. So what are we talking about? We're talking about black holes, aliens, McCrackens, like? <laughs> uh, kind of a little bit of everything. I mean, we have a, uh, up there in Alaska, there's, um, you know, what they call, um, oh, her name is Illy. It's the Lake Iliamna monster, and they they liken her to Loch Ness. So you have things like that up there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of UFO sightings there. Uh, of course, with Alaska being so remote and sparsely populated, it would be a great place to have uh, a UFO base or, and things like that. Even uh, USOs, the um, unidentified submerged objects that go into the water, Alaska has, um, you know, the, the coastline of Alaska is more than the whole rest of the United States combined, and it has over 3 million lakes. So if they have an underwater base, yeah, that could be anywhere up there. So yeah, there's a lot that goes on up there. Talking about hotspots, I mean, most of my information probably comes from TV, but I know that Arizona is a big hotspot. I remember watching this one show where this woman was waking up and having her eggs harvested, and this yeah. one guy got abducted, and he was made to mate in a garden with loads of alien people. And it's just, it's it's well out there what, with the Roswells and the Greys and the reptile, reptilians. There's so much, isn't there? Yeah, there really is. American Southwest, uh, that's another location that is supposed to be a real hot spot. And anytime, if you just do like a Google search looking for a, a map of, you know, the Earth's energy grid or ley lines or anything like that, um, you'll you'll find some conflicting maps that have, you know, different lines. But all of them seem to have, you know, Giza in Egypt, Bermuda Triangle, American Southwest. Uh, these are These are typically always on those maps. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on there, uh, in the American stuff, but you have Sedona, uh, you've had like the Phoenix lights, like you mentioned Roswell, uh, yeah. Chaco Canyon, which is, um, an amazing, uh, indigenous location that, uh, you know, the petroglyphs on the walls there, uh, they have the, I always look for the spiral patterns and you have these on, on the walls there. Uh, you see you see the spiral patterns throughout uh, many, many cultures on earth. Uh, but the, uh, the indigenous there at that time talked about these uh, star people that were visiting earth there. So yeah, there's a lot going on in the American Southwest. See, I specialize in the paranormal part with the ghosts and stuff. So mm -hmm. having the opportunity to talk to you about this kind of thing, it's like way out there and absolutely loving it. Um, there's the um, the the eight sorry, <clears throat> there's a lot, a lot of uh UFO sightings in Yorkshire here in, in the UK. My mum saw some big sort of flying saucer hovering over her house once and she oh, absolutely wow. kicked herself. Um, then there was, I lived, I used to live in a little village called Mablethorpe and I was having a conversation with my uncle John a couple of weeks ago and it was strange because I was about 17 underage drinking walking back from a nightclub <laughs> and I remember the lights, the sky at about two o'clock in the morning just bright like it was daytime mm. for like two minutes and I was talking to my uncle and he said that um, around that same year they had a great big telecom 
on Sutton on Sea, a, te a telecom tower. And he said the same thing, which was really strange because it's just a random conversation that we had. That the, the, the actual, the whole place lit up like someone had dropped a bomb, like it was daylight. Yeah. And then these great, these little lights, like kind of was floating around the telecom tower and stuff like that. Mm. And and also in 2004 in Southampton, we was we had all these like triangular kind of UFO sightings over the Millbrook flyover. So it, it, you could just sky watch, couldn't you? All oh, day. yeah, you really could. You really could. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, some of these locations on Earth seem to be, uh, you know, seem to attract more of this type of activity. So, um, yeah, those locations that you were mentioned there, American Southwest, um, Alaska is definitely a hot spot for that. So, um, you know, and it's interesting. Oh, the recent episode here on uh, Ancient Aliens, that was on uh, UFO hotspots, you know, we were talking about this sort of thing. And, um, you know, they were uh, mentioned the Hudson Valley in New York. And it was just like for a certain period of time where, you know, it's like a four or five year period where they were routinely seeing a lot of activity, having a lot of sightings. And then it just kind of subsided and died off and kind of makes you scratch your head and, and wonder why it was only for a certain period of time. But then others, it's still going on today constantly. Yeah. What do you think of crop circles? What do you think they are? Um, yeah, crop circles are uh, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, the real ones, because there are ones that people, uh, you know, that humans do do actually create. Uh, but some of these other ones where, you know, they've taken like the radiation samples um, and, you know, that, you know, the way that the, the stalks are bent and, you know, there's not a you know reasonable uh, human uh, explanation for that. Uh, I like the the idea of uh, cymatics being involved with that where, you know, the energy from the ground uh, could actually be creating some of these patterns. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Wow. Um, I went to the Festival of the Unexplained in Bosworth and I met these two twins called the Casella twins, Ronald and Philip, and they had claimed to be abducted by aliens. Mm -hmm. And they also said that there's different kinds of aliens, like there's these little like King Hopkinville goblins, the reptilians and the greys. And is there, in, in your knowledge, is there different kinds of aliens out there? Yeah, there there are different kinds. Um, I, I'll admit I'm not up to speed on yeah. all of those. I have my I have my hands in a lot of different areas, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with the Kinsella brothers, and uh, yeah, they're they're going to be more learned in that than I. But um, but yeah, in my research, I've come across a lot of different uh, types of entities and beings and extraterrestrials and things like that. But I, I couldn't sit here and rattle off a whole list no. of all the different ones. Uh, but there are many, and you think about it, you know, there are, you know, I want to say billions and billions, but really trillions and trillions. You can't even count the number of different systems that are out there and yeah. um the with the james webb uh space telescope they just you know uh released a report was it last week or the week before where they are they're looking into the older uh galaxies at the at the edge of the universe or what we believe is the edge of the universe because that's as far as our instrumentation can go and they made a, a really curious comment and saying um we we found too many galaxies out there. I was like, what do you mean too many? It's like they were expecting to find fewer and they were finding more. So, 
you know, the, the fact that the universe is much, much more expansive than we've previously given credit for, which means it could also be older than what we've previously said. And we've been talking about, you know, the universe being about 14 billion years old. The earth Jeez. has been around for four and a half billion. So that means there's, you know, almost 9 billion years that, you know, the rest of the universe has had to develop life develop technology and yeah. travel around you know we're pretty young in that regard so you know there there could literally be billions of different civilizations out there and so the fact that there are a number of different beings and entities and uh ets that people have encountered is not surprising well they say every star well every star could possibly be a sun so if it could be universes around that star. I mean, if we exist, what's to say that anything else doesn't exist? There's possibilities, big possibilities. And are they here already, Mike? What do you think? Do you think they're here already? Yeah, uh, in, and in and around and amongst us. They've been here before. They're going to keep coming here. Um, that's, you know, it, it's, it's interesting when people um, go on and on about, you know, disclosure and, and things like that. You know, why haven't, you know, why hasn't disclosure happened? It's like, well, in a lot of ways it has, but there are a lot of people that just don't want to believe what's right in front of their, right in front of their eyes. Um, it's, it's kind of weird how human nature is like that. Um, you know, our, our, uh, our powers that be, our governments, uh, like to try to keep us in the dark as much as possible. And they're only coming forth now a little bit to say, <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna do some research over here. We're gonna start collecting reports because they can no longer continue to deny this. We have too much technology in our hands where you know you see something in the sky, you can just whip out your cell phone and take a 4K photo of it. You know, that didn't always used to be the case. And so before yeah. that technology, they would keep denying, denying, denying. And now they can't. Now they've had to admit, okay, there's some anomalous stuff going on in the sky. So we will start doing something. Uh, to appease the masses in that regard, but they still have not gone as far as to actually admit it when, again, it's play as, plain as day to most of the rest of us. 100%. So much evidence out there. You know, you can't cover everything up, can you? Uh, Mike, oh, I've got to ask you this question then. So, uh, Shadow People, you wrote a book on it. In fact, you could probably do a calendar on them, couldn't you? Because there's like <laughs> so many different ones. Mr. February with his top hat. Uh, there's these ones that, that sort of just lurk and lurk and climb. Uh, you've seen a few, haven't you? I have, yeah, yeah. Um, I have. <laughs> That's how I pretty much got my start in this in this field was through Shadow People, yeah. So do you ghost hunt as well? I, I did been doing a bit of stalking. I know you ghost hunt, but what yeah. about locations and things like that? What is your what is your favorite? Um, yeah, I have to kind of because I, I can't ever say that there's like one single location that's my favorite. So I have my favorite different locations. Like mm -hmm. my my favorite uh, haunted house would be the Stone Lion Inn, Guthrie, Oklahoma. Um, my favorite historic location that I've investigated would be Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, Illinois. Um, so, it's, you know, places like that, that have to kind of like divvy it up a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't 
ghost hunt as much as I used to. It's like um, where it used to be, you know, uh, at least once a week, you know, on the weekends or whatever. Um, it's kind of come down now to a couple of times a year, just because I'm doing a lot of other work. Yeah. Like, I mean, in, in what, two weeks, we're headed off here to Egypt again. So, um, but see, the thing is, is that it's all related. It's all connected. So uh, part of my, so I have my series, The Shadow Dimension, uh, season two, which I'm still working on editing and producing, uh, we go to Egypt. It's going to include footage from uh, the first time we were out there. And probably now with as much as we're, uh, pushing into this year, I could probably grab in a few clips uh, from this second trip into that, uh, because you see within the uh, you know, and and it's within a lot of ancient cultures, but uh, with Egypt specifically, you know, their belief system you know talked about multiple different parts of the soul, and one of those parts was the shadow or what they called the the kibit. and what would happen is at death, most of the different parts of your soul will go on to the constellation of Orion, while the Ka and the Kabit would stay here on Earth for a while. Now, the Ka eventually would go on to Orion, but this is why in a lot of tombs you see like a false door uh, in there, and that's so that the Ka can eventually use the door to uh, to go on to Orion. But the Kabit or the shadow is still basically doomed here to roam around on Earth. And so... Um, so yeah, it, it's uh, fascinating to see all those connections with, you know, with with the shadow entities where you know a lot of people see them as like you know very spooky, nasty, nefarious, evil. Some will say it's like, well, it's kind of a mix, you know. Some yeah, yeah there, there's some that are you know up to no good. Most are just there; they're just kind of watching, observing that sort of thing. And others are actually rather benevolent. And then you see these other forms of it where it's just, you know, it's it's a part of really their ancient religion and their belief system in a part of the soul that shows up at the shadow. So that would be human. Do you, I don't know if you're familiar with Alistair Crowley, but do you feel mm -hmm. that he was influenced by, cause he was a big, like he, he went into the Egyptian pyramids in the King's chamber and was taken over by some sort of spirit and writ the book of law. Are you familiar with Alistair Crowley? Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar with, uh, with Crowley. Um, yeah, you know, he, he wrote those goetic grimoires. He talked about, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he's the, a nutter. I won't get me wrong. Yeah. You admire him or you despise him. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I think it's one of those where he probably dabbled around. I think he was, he was curious. I, I think he really just, he wanted to know about, you know, all of this esoteric lore that was supposed to be off limits to everybody else. And I think he got himself a little bit too deep in, into all that. Yeah. So was he evil and wicked? No, I wouldn't say that. Um, did he dabble in things he probably shouldn't have been, you know, trying all the, you know, black magic and things like that? Yeah. Probably <laughs> too far into all of that. Bella, wasn't he? Yeah. He really was. I mean, I think he inspired a lot of this free love back in the 60s and things like that. But the guy was, he was on Oh, drugs, he was definitely all about free love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there was, a, I think there was a, a predicament with, uh, when, in one of his, his so-called parties. And I'm thinking, you know what, Alistair, why don't you screw the goat and the missus can cut his throat. <laughs> it's just like to enhance the demonic spirit or whatever. Yeah. 
I think in the end, it was obvious that he was he was a very intelligent guy. And I did find it a little bit disrespectful that he would go into them pyramids and just demolish all that history and everything by bringing out this book of the... But if that's what he felt and that's what he thinks, um, who am I to say, really? Not sure. Yeah, I mean, I've heard stories from, from others, though, like... Um... Freddie Silva, who's a, a fantastic researcher and, and writer, um, interesting story that he told. So he has a, a, a group that will go to different um, you know, ancient sites of power to to reattune them, uh, you know, back into the right, well, at least what they believe is the right frequencies. Because um, as you you know, as these locations uh, take on large amounts of tourists, well all that energy from the different tourists and people that are around um, will have an effect on the energy that's there at these locations. So they kind of quote unquote, get out of tune. And so, uh, you know, Freddie has a group that will go to these different locations and will, you know, reattune them. And so um, he has a fantastic story in his book, the divine blueprint of where, and I've interviewed him on my show about this. Um, and it's, it's fascinating where, uh, he and the group were in the uh, Great Pyramid of Giza, and it was just them at the time. And for whatever reason, the lights went out on them. So they decided right then and there, um, as the uh, you know, couple of guides that were there ran off to go figure out what was going on with the lights, that they would attune uh, the pyramid from the king's chamber. And as they were sitting there doing this, they saw these white beings materialized through the walls of the king's chamber and they were walking uh, you know amongst them there in the king's chamber so you know very very fascinating oh that is exciting geez have you you've been in there oh yeah yeah i've been there (laughs) yeah it's um yeah the the whole pyramid is absolutely fascinating you can definitely feel the energy and we were there on the uh on the summer solstice a year and a half ago and that was absolutely amazing Wow. Oh, it's definitely on my to-do list. Definitely. Uh, getting back well, to we're going to... again next year if you want to come along with us. <laughs> there, there's an offer. <laughs> there you go. Oh. So when I can, I imagine, I know obviously you're very sensitive with seeing these uh, shadows and things like that and picking up stuff, but do you use equipment or, or what's your favorite weapon of choice when it comes to yeah. ghost hunting? I mean, I've used a lot of different equipment over the years. Um, so I have like this arsenal back there in in, in the closet in the other room. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, okay, you know, I used to bring all of this stuff. And over the years, it's like, you know, okay, I don't need to bring that anymore. I don't need to bring this anymore. And I, you know, your best tool is your body for one. But really just, you know, a camera, flashlight, um, you know, an, an audio recorder, really kind of the the basics have always worked out well for me you know i've you know i've had all these fancy cameras and things like this before and you go through hours and hours and hours of footage and you're like i'm not you know seeing anything you know we used to you know rig up an entire you know house with you know a billion cameras and you get nothing out of it in fact uh there are some people that have said you know there's so very little you ever get footage you ever get out of ir that it's like you know what's the point they've given up on uh using the infrared cameras there at uh on ghost hunts what's your um 
what what have you ever had a proper poop your pants moment when really scared you know <laughs> what what experience can you tell me about that that made you like think oh, i'm gonna sleep with the light on tonight um you know it's it's funny because i i get asked that question a lot you know what was your scariest moment on investigation things like that on an investigation i've i've never i've never been scared on an investigation because i'm there to investigate it's like if if something's happening if something's going on that's what i'm there for so I actually go running toward it but um you know really okay, i mean really the most frightening moment for me would have been my first shadow experience when i was a little kid but i was only eight years old at the time so of course i was going to be frightened um but as an adult it would have been a moment where um you know, had nothing to do with investigating the paranormal i just ended up in that situation and um it was uh you know with a friend of mine at the time she had um she was having a tough time and she had driven down to her childhood home which was now an abandoned house and basically parked her car uh back behind that that home and there's you know these dark woods behind is kind of off the beaten path and so i drove down there to to talk to her and kind of help her out so i'd parked in the driveway and walked over to to her car and got in we're talking for a while and as we're talking i start noticing through the side mirror that there are these you know short shadow beans that were coming up to the trees back behind the house and talk to her and i'd look and talk to her and I'd look and there's more and more of them that are that are gathering there and you know she was involved with with the paranormal as well and so she's like you you see something don't you and i'm like oh yeah oh yeah and I, I tell her about the shadows that i'm that i'm seeing and then all of a sudden after a little bit more talking um one of these shadows actually came up behind her car and i'm oh. like you know we're this is not what we're here for <laughs> <laughs> it's oh like th this is this is kind of crazy right now um are you in an okay spot right now where we can just like go somewhere else and continue to talk and she was like yeah yeah that's that's fine so i get out of the car you know back by the trees there's all these these shadows i didn't see the one that came up to the car i don't know if it disappeared or went back there or whatever um but they're all lined up there amongst the trees and i'm like walking back to my car keeping an eye on them the craziest thing happened out you know as i'm walking back is that up in the tree tops was this white i don't know like slinking i i call it like a living spider web because it was just white and amorphous and kind of slinking through the treetops and it's like you know it's a good idea we got out of here so and we met up somewhere else so yeah you could say that i that that yes we fled <laughs> from there not running but still it was like one of those it's like just you know we're, we're not here for that not no. prepared for it let's no. and i see down good. here in the chat um <laughs> see greg Koss had been down there so it's good to see uh greg and sean is asking uh if you can come to the the <laughs> as well yeah yeah we'll squeeze um, you in the suitcase sean absolutely um, yeah no i'll um when we're there uh in a couple of weeks we're going to go over the the details for for next year's tour so i'll be posting all that information here within probably awesome. the, the next month or two yeah investigate and in the paranormal somewhere you haven't been 
somewhere I haven't been. Um, well, I'm going to go here in a couple of weeks. So on the way to Egypt, um, just to kind of break up the flight, because it's from here, it's it's like a 12-hour flight. I, well, I say from here, but that's actually from New York to Cairo. Um, I'm in Cleveland, so that's actually another couple hours to get to New York first and then out from there. So what we're doing to break that up is we're stopping for a day in Paris and going to spend a day in Paris. Uh, and so the catacombs, always wanted to do the catacombs. And so we're going to do that here in a couple of weeks. Oh, well, that'd be awesome. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Uh, I've only got a few more questions left. We won't keep okay. me too long. But there was something I can relate to uh, that I was watching on YouTube today is your um, dream visitations. Yeah. Uh, I can really relate to that because... You know, I sometimes I've had relatives come to me and the dreams seem so lucid. They seem so real and they always want to tell you something. But then if you want to pass that message on, you, you look like you look like you're a lunatic. And, you know, I get in the nerve to pass that message on as well. Or even being waking up in such a fright that you're thinking, oh, my God, what just happened to me? But I can really relate to it. It does seem real. And there was a point that you touched on is that when there is different stages of dreaming like when you think like you said in the car with your your granddad and he was driving mm -hmm. really fast but then you feel the aura of the presence of them there and it's like when I had my auntie in my ear I could know the tone of her voice and it's it, it does it gives you some sort of spiritual feeling that that they are there yeah um absolutely yeah the, the one there with in the car um you know once it got to that point where he's kind of like speeding along say like, okay this this wasn't grandpa so this is just a dream but with the one in which you know i had uh i was going through my divorce and you know they they appeared to me basically and i know since you watched the video you know the story but for your uh for your viewers yeah, viewers. yeah. uh basically what was happening was i was going through a divorce at the time uh it was very very stressful and I had this dream one night where I was in the house that I had lived in with with my ex-wife and like a bunch of people are there and we're cleaning up. It's like the move is the move is happening. Um, and you know, I, I went through a lot with her because she wouldn't get out of the house um, without going into all that. Um, but it was finally happening. And I'm there. I'm like wiping down the counter. We had this. Uh, this really long uh, kitchen counter between it was between the kitchen and uh, the living room, and I'm wiping it down, wiping it down. All of a sudden, I see in the kitchen area by over by like the stoves, there's my grandfather and my grandmother standing there. I'm like, oh my gosh, Grandma and Grandpa, what are you doing here? And I went running around over to them, and you know, I'm like hugging them, I'm like, oh, it's so great to see you. How are you guys doing? You know, all this. And they're like, no, 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 we're, we're okay. You know, you just need to know that you are going to be okay. And, you know, I, I didn't want to hear it at first. I just, I kept wanting to ask them, how are you guys doing? I've missed you, all that sort of stuff. And it's just like, we're, we're good. We're good. But you need to know that you are going to be okay. And, um, and, and sure enough, you know, everything, you know, in the long run, it has turned out very well. But uh, it was one of those that I think because of the stress that I was going through at the time, you know, they came through from that other side, you know, to relay that message to me. You know, they still they still love us and care for us from the other side. Yeah. And sometimes they need to come back and and kind of be like, hey, you know, you you need to know this.
the way you described it is exactly the way I felt when my felt like my dad came to me and it was just like out the blue and I was in a bad place at the time as well and it just feels like they they know you because they love you and they just really want you to know don't worry it's going to be all right and also do you find that they come to you in different stages of like their youth sometimes they come to you younger or looking really healthy or even in a garden some people say they see their relatives my husband had an operation and he sat in the garden with his auntie and she was like you'll be all right you're gonna go back in a minute but I've heard that before when I when I worked in old people's home the gentleman was saying I was sat in the garden with my wife but it's just all these similarities around this this kind of phenomena isn't there yeah, I mean, you hear stories about how, um, you know, those that have passed on when they reappear to people, they can, you know, they can choose a form um, that they might be, you know, more familiar with, more comfortable with, um, yeah. you know, if they, you know, like if they go to visit, okay, take my grandparents, you know, I basically saw them when when they were older, and they had white and green hair and, and all that sort of thing. But, you know, if they went and visited you know, say my parents or one of my aunts or uncles or whatever, they might choose to take on a younger form, you know, maybe back when they were, uh, back when they were actually parenting. Uh, so, uh, so it's kind of interesting how they can, you know, take a different form. There's, you know, um, I mentioned Mineral Springs Hotel earlier, my favorite haunted historic location. And there is a little girl who will frequently visit the pool there. And it's believed that because um, there was never like the death of a little girl there in the pool or, you know, in the hotel or anything like that. What it's believed is that um, this little girl actually grew up, you know, to live a nice full life, but in her afterlife has decided to come back to the pool because, you know, when it was in its great splendor, this was like her favorite spot to go to. Wow. And so she's like yeah. reliving her childhood. Yeah. They do, don't they? They do. They go back to their best places or where they're happiest. And it's a bit like astral projection. They always say that, I mean, I'm not familiar with it. I know people that have done it. But if you think to where you want to go, as long as you've been there, you can go there. So I guess it's the same in the spirit world. Yeah, it's interesting with astral projection. Um, some people say that you can <laughs> even like go visit the planets and things like this when you project, which would would be pretty wild. Um, I've 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 come this close to projecting before, but I've never actually fully done it. So, uh, but yeah, it's um, you know one of those interesting um, types of abilities that you know when we talk about the shadow entities um, are some of these shadows that people are seeing, you know, at, at night or whatever. Um, are they actually astral projections? Is somebody coming to visit them and they're seeing their energy? Yeah, I knew I'm I'm a baker and I knew a guy back in there. Everyone knows a guy back in the <laughs> 90s. He actually went missing and he was a, an entrepreneur. He knew he was writing a novel. He was a really clever guy. And he I thought he was pulling my leg and he was saying that he does astro projection. And I said, how do you do it then? He says, I just lay there and I meditate and I feel myself like a rise out of my body and I can go anywhere. He said, I can just as long as I think it, I can go see my friends. I could go to the cinema. And I'm like, oh, OK. And he's and I met him in a staff room one day and he said to me, you know what? I'm not doing it anymore. I goes, well, what do you mean? He goes, this astral projection. And I said, um, well, what's happened? He says, well, I come out of my body and there was all these weird 
like beings ready to pounce on him. And I'm like, yeah, no, don't do it anymore. No. <laughs> uh, and he went missing to this day. Nobody really? Knows. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really strange. Yeah. That's definitely pretty yeah. odd. It does. It's, it's so much out there, isn't it? It's so exciting and all this stuff to learn. I mean, uh, you've only got like, not dissing it because like America's a, it is a country of all these different cultures that all come together, all from different places and things like that. And you're there, you've been there for like 200, over 200 years. And you've got like civil war history and things like that. And not boasting, but the UK, we're like really old. <laughs> <laughs> but you have got yeah, we, we We date back to that uh, little revolution we had against you. So, you know. <laughs> You win, so but you still, named, you still named New York over the, uh, Yorkshire. Yeah. You could have named it New London or something, you know. Well, originally it was New Amsterdam, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we kicked them out, didn't we? Right. But then there's the, like, you've got something so special, which is, like, the American Indians. Oh, they go way back, don't they? And it's uh, Earth spirits and things like that. You've got so much going on there. We really love to, to sort of go down that little rabbit hole, you know, see what they've got going on. Yeah, no, they, ha they have a lot. Um, you know, I've, I've, um, I've had several uh, friends that have, you know, that are shamans. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Chaco Canyon earlier, and that's, a, you know, a indigenous Native American location. Right here in Ohio, we have the, uh, you know, the the massive earthworks that um again we kind of speculate as to exactly what they are um because they you know, even you know the uh indigenous tribes of the area are like i don't know they were here <laughs> we don't we don't know what they were uh which is which is really uh, kind of crazy to think about but um but yeah we we have a lot of ancient culture here uh and, and that i think people don't really realize because when we think of the ancients we think of like egypt and things like that yeah. uh, but there's a lot of it here in america too. yeah yeah it's amazing well i think i've had a lot of your time now and i really appreciate it mike you've been amazing i'm sorry i've been so nervous but i get so excited oh, it was good it was good <laughs> no, i really appreciate it sarah thank you uh, i'm gonna throw a few just for fun questions just to end the show okay. if i may sure. okay humor me mike all right okay so uh, you got to choose one. Alf the Alien from the 1960s sitcom or Mork and Mindy? Ah. Well, I mean, I was always a big Robin Williams fan, so I have to say Mork and Mindy. But Which Alf one? was fun. But Alf was fun. Was I'm 78, so what are we around the same age? So you, hopefully we're on the same wavelength here. Yeah, uh, 74. Yeah, yeah a older. Okay, what about this one then? Mac and me or E.T.? E.T. I don't I don't even remember ever seeing Mac and me. Yeah, yeah it was. A, but I actually I saw E.T. in the theater. Oh, did you cry? A little bit. Yeah. But there was a kid that was a few rows down from me that was just absolutely bawling. Yeah. I was yeah. heartbroken. Yeah. Especially when you think he's dead. He's like, oh, no, he's alive. It's like, great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> OK, right. This is this is a scenario. It's a non-fictional scenario. And you've got to you've got to pick one. Okay, so Armageddon, it's the end of the world. You've been beamed up, Mike. The aliens have harvested a load of eggs, and it's your job to populate the human... Humanity depends on you, Mike. It does. It depends on your seed. Now, you've got to choose from 
we've got an alien surrogate. She's a female. She's going to carry your baby. This is going to be the future of humans. So the eggs that you have to choose out of is, number one, Hillary Clinton. She might be a bit dried up, but uh, they've got the eggs going. Um, Oprah Winfrey. Or Amber Heard. I mean, she's good looking, but she's oh a nutter. God. You got to choose. I mean, I mean, I think all three of them are nutters. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> is that humanity depends on it mike oh my god um it's either that or garden of aliens and you have to impregnate all of them we'll go with the aliens <laughs> <laughs> oh well okay i bet you've never had that kind of question no before. i've never had that question before <laughs> brilliant well thank you ever so much and you want to plug your, your yeah, absolutely. Um, so people that can find sure. you. Yeah, you can find me, MikeRickSecker.com. I have an online learning platform, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Uh, of course, uh, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all that fun stuff. And um, and I was just on uh, Gaia TV. They released the episode uh, yesterday talking about shadow people so uh if you want to log in there or just you know, i have the links on my social media so you can just go to my social media click on the link and check it out yeah we'll put them on there as well mike thank you ever so much it's been a real honor it really has and you're so interesting i'm a big fan thanks now. again sarah thank you I appreciate um, it thanks and if you want to go on an event uh, around the uk check out our events list it's www.portertoparanormal.co.uk we've got some i think we've got fort whitley coming up it's like a um the fort in portsmouth ports downhill there's all sorts there so yeah and if you're ever in the uk mike please look us up and come on an investigation with us absolutely <laughs> lovely fun. thank you all is uh pop this one up this is a great show thank you very much all right good to see you greg Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks for watching, guys. Bye. Ciao for now.